ESG. You hear the term everywhere these days, but some still wonder what it means. Today, we explore ESG from two different perspectives. First, we talk to an associate partner at EY who specializes in ESG reporting. We'll talk about what that means and why it's becoming more important. Plus, we speak with the co-founder and CEO of an Ottawa-based clean tech startup. This company is getting attention in a carbon reduction competition funded by none other than Elon Musk. All this and more coming up in this episode of Techopia Live. Hello, I'm Michael Kern from the Ottawa Business Journal. Welcome to Techopia Live. This is a regular podcast from OBJ that features executives from next generation technology companies. We want to shine a spotlight on the up and comers. And we want to keep you updated on the established players, all with a goal of keeping the tech sector informed and connected. Well, today we've got a bit of a special episode. It's what we call a bonus episode. These bonus episodes are specifically designed to highlight some of the great work done by our Techopia champions. Uh, in this bonus episode, we're focused on EY. And EY, of course, is very active in the local technology uh, scene, delivering all sorts of value. EY recognizes that technology is at the center of business change. It enables organizations to transform their businesses, their operating models, and respond nimbly to competitive threats. In today's bonus episode, I'm joined by a co-host. Uh, she is an associate partner at EY Ottawa. She leads EY's financial accounting advisory services right here in Ottawa. When you boil it down, uh, she really specializes in serving the CFO agenda. What that means, it's areas such as accounting, finance, treasury, compliance, and most recently, which is the focus of today's show, uh, there's the, the little hint, ESG reporting. She's also a 40 under 40 recipient from 2020. Please welcome from EY, Jennifer Teo. Hey, Jen. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm very happy to be here with you. And um, maybe I'm going to ask you to start off, Jen, to uh, introduce yourself a little bit, specifically your job at EY as it relates to ESG. For sure. Thanks. Uh, so I, I think you gave a really great introduction. You know, we focus on, uh, you know, assisting finance functions with everything that falls within the CFO portfolio. And most recently with the rise in um, the focus of ESG, ESG reporting. So ESG reporting is basically kind of like a report card that companies issue to their stakeholders, such as their investors, their consumers, their employees. But instead of reporting on subjects like math or English, they would be reporting on factors such as environmental, social, and governance uh, performance indicators. Uh, so this report card basically would help their stakeholders uh, figure out, you know, is this a company that they want to be involved in? Should I invest in this company, buy from this, this company, uh, or work for them? Uh, and so with the increase uh, and the rise in importance in ESG report, uh, ESG in general, um, that's that's really the area of focus that uh, that we have been recently uh, uh, looking looking after. Yeah. And and just to boil that down a little bit, I, th I think part of what you're saying there, Jen, is 
you know, it would have been the case at some point that a company would have presented their income statement, their balance sheet. But these days, um, potential investors are looking for a little bit more transparency as it relates to some of the issues that are kind of non-financial. So we're talking about environmental, as you said, social and uh, some of the other factors. That's, that's a trend, I think, Jen, that we'll continue seeing here. Uh, yes. And, uh, you, you know, you explained it really well. And in addition to that, you know, uh, finance has a really significant, uh, you know, role to play in ESG reporting. It's not just about disclosing information in these reports. There's also a whole, um, you know, process of collecting the information and the data processes and controls around uh um, putting that all together. And so uh, that's something that our team specializes in assisting with. That, that's good. And, and as indicated, I think it's going to become more and more important. So Jen, it's great to have you as a host. And we also have a special guest that uh, works in the field of ESG. Uh, she's been part of the Ottawa uh, business scene uh, for about 10 years after she relocated from Toronto. She spent two years stint, I think this is really kind of cool, at uh, Impact Hub Ottawa, which is a well-known social incubator. But these days, she's better known as the CEO and co-founder of Hyperion Global Energy. Here is Heather Ward. There's Heather. Hi, hi, Michael. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Great to see you. Yes, it's good to, good to have you with us. And we were just chatting with ESG and of course, uh, uh, Heather, you're you you developed quite the uh, quite the specialty in this, and you're going to tell us about Hyperion. But before we get to the company, I want to learn a little bit uh, about you, the person, the business leader. Uh, you've had, I think, quite a fascinating entrepreneurial uh, journey here, uh, Heather. Why don't you uh, why don't you tell us about it? Sure. Yeah. So I studied uh, sort of business and economics and then moved to Toronto to get into the public relations kind of world, worked in the bigger agency world with, um, you know, big multinationals and then kind of branched out on my own and started my own PR firm, uh, which I ran for about a decade uh, and worked, had the opportunity to work on corporate social responsibility and really uh, kind of diving into work with clients that I felt aligned with. Um, one of the really exciting projects we did was launching uh, Canada's first electric vehicles with General Motors. And that really sort of sparked my interest in social impact. Um, I moved to Ottawa to sort of get more entrenched in that community. And as you mentioned, had the opportunity to work with the Impact Hub, which is a wonderful social innovation incubator. Uh, I met my co-founder there, a brilliant engineer named Jerry Flynn, who's our CTO, and uh, the rest is history. We, we got into the uh, Global Carbon X Prize competition with our technology uh, and really just uh, enjoying uh, working in this new emerging field of climate tech. It's very exciting. Jen, Jen, over to you. Heather, thanks. Uh, so good to chat with you. I really love how you summarize your business model as turning dirty air into dollars. Uh, so tell us more about this and what kind of customers uh, you work with and what your mission is. Great. Yes, that's our, our signature tagline. So just trying to kind of explain complex technology and uh, put it into something that you could explain to your grandmother, sort of that elevator pitch that we all talk about. So Hyperion is a clean tech company based in Ottawa. 
what we do is carbon recycling. So as you said, Jen, we turn dirty air into dollars by capturing and converting waste CO2 emissions from, from heavy industries. And we turn that into valuable mineral commodities, some of the world's most widely used minerals in everything from our toothpaste to the paint on the walls and green building materials, lots of different uh, markets. It's a $44 billion mineral market that we're looking at. So really the idea is to turn a waste product, carbon, which is an invisible gas in the atmosphere uh, that is the leading contributor to climate change and looking at how we can solve that problem by creating a uh, economic driver of a very valuable product that can be sort of a circular solution to turning waste into an asset. Um, so hence the, the carbon recycling sort of tag uh, that we talk about and who we do this for primarily. It's the 80% of uh, industrial emissions that come from just three heavy industries, um, oil and gas, cement and steel making. Um, so these are the industries that build our everyday infrastructure. Uh, and so as we're looking at transitioning to lower carbon societies and supply chains, our technology is able to enable those industries to actually um, decarbonize their processes. Hmm. That super interesting, uh, Heather, and obviously very uh, on point these days. At, at Ottawa Business Journal, we've always been fascinated at uh, watching the evolution of the local technology sector. You know, so many years ago, it was kind of telecom, and then we had the rise of the SaaS and e-commerce players. And now we're starting to see clean tech, I hope, uh, Heather, uh, really take hold. Can you give us a sense of, Heather, the, um, the clean tech sector as it exists in Ottawa, and I might ask you a follow-up question after about the pros and cons of developing that uh, clean tech company here, Heather, in uh, in Ottawa. Yes, certainly. So, as you said, Michael, the you know Ottawa is known as kind of the telecom hub of the world, and uh, and kind of the um, you know the the golden age of uh, technology, Silicon Valley North, that we're all kind of familiar uh, with. And actually, my brothers are both. In, uh, electrical engineers that have been here for decades working in this industry. Uh, Ottawa is really interesting because we have several decades of, uh, you know, veterans of deep tech uh, and technology here at our access, as well as the ecosystem of some of the, um, you know, all the layers of government, um, the National Research Council and some of those key components. So, uh, my company actually joined Invest Ottawa. We work out of the Bayview Yards Innovation Centre, which is a wonderful ecosystem and sort of area for collaboration. Uh, and we're able to connect with a lot of different uh, players here in this ecosystem as we're building this. So we actually have a little uh, clean tech founders group that we've started here because there are several businesses. Um, I know you've had uh, Dev from uh, Blue Wave AI, there's uh, Planetary and you know several other clean tech companies that we see emerging out of Ottawa. Uh, we've also been able to work with the Capital Angel Network here, which were our early funders, uh, Thistledown Capital, which is the private fund of Shopify's founder, Toby Luke and his wife. Um, and of course, uh, you know, the big player here in Ottawa, the Shopify Sustainability Fund, which has also been funding decarbonization. So we're sort of trying to show that you don't have to leave Ottawa to build a strong clean tech company and be a global player. 
and there are actually a lot of advantages. We have had funding from the Sustainable Development Technology Canada Fund, um, as well as IRAP, the Industrial Research Assistant assistance program, it's a mouthful, uh, put on uh, by the National Research Council. So there are um, assets in this ecosystem that we've been able to leverage. And so I really do think that you'll see more clean tech companies and climate tech companies emerging out of Ottawa. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and it strikes me, Heather, the proximity to the federal government, you, you pointed out this and the federal government, you know, putting such a big uh, emphasis on uh, on clean energy and that type of stuff. Are, are you are you hopeful that you can shape some of the policy guidelines of what's going on or tap into some of the funding programs besides IRAP? Is there any special money, I guess, flowing your way? I, I think there was something announced in the federal government, perhaps, federal budget, that is. Yes, um, a little $21 billion wow. uh, fund for clean economy. So it's it's really exponentially increased in this latest budget. Um, you know, sort of the strategic answer of the Canadian government's response to the U.S. Um, IRA fund there, which is attracting a lot of clean energy companies. And so we're trying to, here in Canada, keep our Canadian uh, clean tech companies at home and support the ones here so that we don't have to leave uh, into other regions of the world to, to develop our companies. You know, because because of the pandemic, when we started, uh, really our, our first funding from the Capital Angel Network came uh, early in in uh, in 2021, and we sort of through the pandemic have been developing our technology and launching our first uh, pilot. So we had to stay here in our backyard just because of the nature of the shutdowns and whatnot. But because of that, we got creative and we actually discovered assets here in our community, uh, local manufacturing companies like Kilmarnock Enterprises in uh, Smith Falls, Ontario. Really, the region has a rich, um, you know, sort of manufacturing and, and tech sector that we were able to actually build our first pilot that we're now launching uh, right here in our own backyard. And we are actually launching it in eastern Ontario as well. So. We originally thought we were going to be going to Scandinavia. We got into Techstars Energy in Oslo, Norway, and, and had plans to uh, kind of relocate over there, um, but did a pivot because of the pandemic and really discovered that we don't necessarily have to leave. And maybe there are advantages to being right here, um, you know, at home where we can uh, build a strong foundation um, for a global player. That's like a silver lining to the pandemic that you weren't able, you were locked down here, you weren't able to travel. So you, <laughs> you know, you form all these, uh, these routes here in Ottawa. Jen, I think you were going to ask a question about uh, ESG. Yeah, no, I was, um, I was actually, you know, I just, everything that you're saying, it's, it's just sounds like it's such a great opportunity. There's companies and governments that are investing in uh, ESG initiatives. What do you think, um, you know, why do you think companies should start thinking about ESG and how do you see that as being an advantage or uh, in the short, medium and long term, really on a on a company's bottom line? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Jen. Thanks for that. And and obviously your work at EY has is, is been uh, you know instrumental in this field as well. Um, so you see that from the customer's side and how they're reporting and the transparency that is, um, you know, coming into play with ESG as well. So with us, we're able to actually help and enable those customers to meet their net zero targets. So for instance, our first kind of adopter, early adopter market is the cement industry. Uh, they have a huge problem of being 
8% of all global emissions. And that, just to put into perspective, is more than all aviation, all shipping, and all commercial buildings combined. So a massive footprint. Uh, and so this actually directs, directly affects stock prices. Um, this is a risk to having stranded assets and um, obviously a risk in supply chain. So the industry is looking for technologies that can provide solutions. We've come up with a circular solution. So in the case of our first pilot customer, which is Lafarge Wholesome, the world's largest developer in, of sustainable building materials, uh, we've able, been able to create a global pilot here in Ontario. One of the five cement plants they have across Canada is now running our world's first carbon recycling system uh, in Bath, Ontario. And so we're able to actually take their waste CO2 as well as um, in our further research, research, we'll be also using some of their waste products like cement kiln dust and being able to create a mineral that they actually currently use in their products and they buy from a mined resource, which is extremely carbon intensive. So we're able to lower the carbon impact. We're able to um, save them sort of that carbon emissions uh, sort of dollar, uh, you know, that they have to actually pay out, whether it's in um, carbon tax or in other, um, you know, incentives. And then we're able to create a product that they currently purchase that can be replaced in, in their supply chain. So it's a really exciting circular solution. We cannot do this alone. We have to collaborate with industries and come up with solutions together. So uh, we are finding that our customers are, are actually eager to be part of the solution and come up with, uh, you know, those kinds of technologies that, uh, that are easy to adopt. So for us, what we did is we actually put our whole system in a 40-foot sh shipping container that is a drop-in unit. This was developed in collaboration with our customers to say maybe they don't have a lot of space on their site, they can't have downtime at their plants for construction. So um, it's a real turnkey solution. Again, um, you know, just the innovation uh, comes from the collaborating with all different players. And so um, the more that we have ESG reporting and, and those kinds of things coming into play, the more there is that demand side uh, that we're seeing that's really um, a real strong force for the industry in general. Yeah. So if I understand correctly, these are emissions that organizations would not otherwise be using, but you're taking that and you're producing something that they actually need and would otherwise purchase. So it's really quite a value differentiator. I mean, and while you're also saving the planet. So that's really well, we say that we turn airborne trash into treasure. So this is a waste material that's just going into the air. And instead of, uh, you know, capturing it and maybe burying it in the ground, we're actually saying turn it into a product that has a high market price, uh, you know, up to 27 hundred dollars a ton uh, for the material that we're making. And again, it displaces an emission source of the mined material as well. In states like uh, California, they're actually now moving towards, you know, we talk about social license to operate. This mined material will be decreasing in future. It's going to be regulated. Um, and so industries will also be looking for new sources of that. So the players that get on early uh, can be this is an opportunity. This is a business opportunity as well. That's excellent. Uh, thank you for sharing all that, Heather. Listen, we're going to start wrapping up in a few minutes, but I, I want to give an opportunity for you to uh, speak to 
the tagline of EY, building a better working world. It's something we ask all of our guests to do. So, uh, so uh, Heather, well, over to you. How is, how are you, or how is Hyperion helping to build a better working world? Yeah. So after the pandemic, we're all talking about building back better. We're realizing that supply chains and um, you know some of the risks that are involved in in the way that our business is built today, and so. Um, our technology allows companies to be part of the green recovery, to build uh, better infrastructure for the future, and also attracts talent and people uh, who want to work on the climate and have a passion for that. So we are building a better world in uh, partnership with, uh, with our employees and with our partners. Absolutely. All right, Jen, you've got the uh, final question before we wrap up here. Yeah, no, just interested to know, you know, what are the key milestones that you see uh, going forward in 2023 and 2024 uh, for Hyperion Global Energy? Well, thanks for the question, Jen. So we are now into this exciting pilot phase uh, in uh, 2023 with Lafarge Wholesome here in Ontario, as I mentioned. So we will be doing further R&D and scaling that up. Currently, that system has a capacity of a thousand tons of CO2 a year. And just to put that in perspective, that is the milestone for the Elon Musk $100 million carbon X prize that, uh, that has been initiated. So we can really see the opportunity and the ability to grow uh, with Lafarge and with other industries in uh, 2024 and moving towards our full commercial rollout, uh, which is coming in the next uh, 18 to 24 months. Very exciting times for you, Heather. Well, listen, we want to wish you and all of your colleagues at Hyperion uh, great growth. It strikes me that uh, that you, Heather, and you, Jennifer, are kind of rowing in this in the same direction, if I can put it that way. Heather, you're you know, enabling the tools to reduce carbon and Jennifer is trying to figure out, you know, the non-financial ways to report on them to make sure we've got, uh, we can understand what companies are doing to uh, to pitch in in this uh, bigger goal. So thank you, Heather, very much for joining us today. We appreciate your time. And thank you to uh, you, Jennifer, for being my co-host today. And uh, best wishes to all of our friends at EY. We'll, we'll see you soon. All right, that was uh, Heather and Jennifer. Uh, big thanks to both of them uh, for participating and talking a little bit about ESG and how it fits into all of our lives. I want to thank you for watching or listening to Techopia Live. This is a regular podcast, as I mentioned. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube or LinkedIn or whatever social media channel, even your favorite audio channels, if that's what you prefer. Uh, and I wanted to give a shout out to a new project that we did with uh, EY just a few months ago. We launched something called Techopia EY Insights Report. And we launched it in March with great fanfare. This is a, a glossy magazine that was produced in uh, cooperation with EY. Contains all sorts of fascinating articles, including a look back at the 75 years in tech. We take a look at the past, present and future of uh, Ottawa's technology sectors from three uh, leaders from different generations. We take a look at the flagship companies, the big established players, and kind of the next gen ones. So you can check all that out at techopiaeyinsights.ca. Techopiaeyinsights.ca. Uh, we hope to keep. Uh, we hope Techopia is keeping you uh, connected and informed. Let's keep building Ottawa's technology utopia. That's Techopia. See you soon. Bye bye, everyone. <laughs>